Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Brennan Carrion. And uh, I'm just sitting here thinking about uh, what a nightmare America is and uh, the end of capitalism. That's all. Uh, I'm also joined by Adam Sink. What up, motherfucker? How you doing? I am doing all right. Uh, I don't think capitalism is ending. I think it's morphing into its final, most horrific state. So, Well, I mean, that's kind of where I'm going with that, right? Because, uh, yeah. uh, you know, um, uh, I actually have some interesting political commentary on that, but we won't get into it, right? This is yeah, that, that's not about role-playing. So anyway, role-playing, <laughs> that's pretty great, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it has its moments. <laughs> it gets, gets, you, gets you out of this bullshit reality, that's for sure. And I'm joined by Ashley. What up, Ashley? How you been? I've been better, but I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, you pretty bummed out about capitalism? Yeah, it's, yeah, again, with the final form thing, capitalism should, you know, be gone and stuff, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah agreed, agreed. Um, my, really, I mean, what I'm referencing is, is there's this book, it was written by this guy uh, about the Spanish Civil War, and basically mm-hmm. his contention in defining what uh, fascism is, is that when capitalism becomes completely unsustainable, mm-hmm. it either has to morph into socialism, which then supports the workers and, like, continues to, like, allow the workers to, like, you know, perpetuate capitalism, essentially, or it has to... Uh, um, morph into fascism which then represses the workers into like continuing to be cogs in the wheel and like you know we clearly have made our decision about what's going to be around here and uh now we're seeing what happens when people object to that womp womp uh and we're also joined by richard what's up richard how you been buddy i'm 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 uh dealing with my week Yep. <laughs> this is such a uplifting <laughs> episode. It's, it's all rainbows and unicorns uh, over here at Full Metal RPG. Oh, yeah. This week Jesus. sucks balls for pretty much everyone, though. Like everyone I know, just had a really tough week. So yeah, I bet our listeners can, you know, heavy relation to yeah. us oh, having a shitty week. It's been an ugly year, and just this yeah. week in particular was really yeah. Just the mwah, the chef's kiss of. <laughs> I, I believe in my heart that uh, that uh, Full Mill RPG is the thinking person's RPG podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that our listeners not only think think much, but also feel very deeply. And if, if their guts are not churning uh, bile and rage right now based on like uh, what... And Jesus, it's not even September, what it is mm-hmm. that, that's uh, going on in our country right now, then uh, I don't know. They must have been just really, really caught up in powered by the apocalypse books which is what hey. we're talking about today yeah <laughs> horror powered by the apocalypse Ooh, spooky it's gonna be halloween soon so we thought we'd come in here and uh talk about some powered by the apocalypse role playing for you guys today um i'm not gonna lie when i came up with this uh episode it was gonna be so i would have a platform to shamelessly plug uh ravenous which was <laughs> supposed to be out in august and i was gonna be like oh, yeah go on the uh, magpie webpage and buy your uh copy of the ash can of ravenous but womp womp guess what happened guys that that didn't lots <laughs> of other stuff did but uh, that didn't. So um, we got a bunch of different uh, PBTA horror games. We're all going to be talking about our own PBTA horror games that we've like chosen. Um, so there we have four unique ones. And then uh, each one of us are, is going to discuss, you know, kind of what we found in those games th- over the last week. Um, 
before we get started on that, I'm just going to say we're sponsored by Exalted Funeral, who is still holding their uh, old school essentials advanced role playing uh, Kickstarter. And it looks like that thing has about 12 days left at the time of this recording. You should go over there and check that out. That's some fucking kick ass OSR shit from kick ass OSR people. We love you, Exalted Funeral. Thank you for, uh, you know, always, you know, liking my Facebook posts, etc. And uh, then this episode, episode uh, 98, is by, uh, sponsored by our patron uh, and good, good friend of the show, Michael Marines. Michael Marines is a local dude. He uh, hangs out. He plays Warhammer. He, uh, we've, we've gamed together. He actually played in my uh, regrettably short The Void game. And uh, he's a great role player. He's a kick-ass miniatures gamer. He, he's just he's just the kind of all-around good guy that you want to have in your gaming group. So we're really uh, pleased to be associated with him. And thank you, Michael, for uh, your support of the show. We really appreciate you and everything that you do for us. Uh, if you want to be like Mike and uh, help out Full Metal RPG, head on over to Patreon and like let your fingers do the talking or whatever. Uh, any little bit that you can uh, help out with in these troubling times would be much appreciated, because uh, we're almost we're almost at this threshold where we're going to be able to really do some like uh, interesting stuff that will take some of the uh, workload off of uh, RBK, which I'm sure he uh, would be thankful for, because you know I like to make up work for RBK, and then and then RBK has to do it, and he's I'm sure he's getting sick of it. Um, well, well, there's that, but also then I can do other work. It's it's really not going to be more so much as like get stuff. It's going to get stuff off my plate, so I can do other stuff on my plate. So you can get you can get rid of the drudgery shit, but it's not well, like you're going to be doing the umbrella drinks thing. You're oh, going to no. be doing something more interesting. Well, I'm still going to be swilling a beverage, but uh, oh, tasty uh, beverage, tasty beverage, but. Just, just know if you guys want like more, you know, a shirt, some dice, some other things that say Full Metal RPG, you know, start start boosting up the patron so we can get an editor. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's the thing. That's the thing that we're working on. All right, great. Well, you know what? I think that we should jump into the black hole. What do you guys think? Black hole. The black hole is the uh, ever-sucking void that drinks up all of our time, energy, money, and attention. It is role-playing. The highest art. The highest art of all. Um, eat that, Leonardo da Vinci, you, <laughs> you talentless hack. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll let uh, uh, Ashley start it off this week. What do you think? What do you think, Ashley, we've been up to? What's, what's your black hole? Um, my black hole, well, I have roommates now, which is a new experience for me. And so this isn't gaming related, except it is because it's my GM and his wife. And so I got tired of not playing in person with my friends. So I just moved them into my house. So yeah, so now I have my gaming group living with me. Um, the black hole has currently been trying to find a place for all of our combined books and things like that right now. And soon we'll be able to get back into playing Pathfinder and Pathfinder 2 because that's my group with them. Um, I did back, and I know I talked about this last episode, but uh, The Great American Witch, um, Christopher Gray had that on Kickstarter. So I backed that, and I'm really excited to get that at some point um, in the nearish future. And the game I'm going to be talking about today, um, I picked that up so that I could research it. And I'm really glad I picked this game because it sounds really fucking cool. I'm excited to play this at some point. So Cool, great. Great. Yeah. That's all excellent. Um, do your uh, roommate friends mm-hmm. listen to the show? They do, actually. So Why don't you give uh, them a shout-out real quick? Hey, uh, 
Jessamy is their couple name that I've assigned them, but it's Jess and Jeremy. Um, <laughs> Jess actually, I think, listens more than Jeremy does, but Jeremy's the big Pathfinder influence in my life and has been for a couple of years now. So, yeah. So, what up? Sick. What's up, Jess and Jeremy? Uh, thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate each one of you more than you'll ever know. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Full Metal RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, yo, Adam, what's uh, what's on your plate, dude? What you been up to? I was supposed to run Transylvania Chronicles the other night. Um, that didn't happen due to a bunch of other things that we won't get into here. Uh, but I've been running Dark Ages and Transylvania Chronicles, so it's kind of been what I've been doing role-playing wise is uh, sinking my teeth back into Vampire, as it were, no pun intended, um, and having a good time doing that. Good, good. Uh, RBK, what you got, bud? Well, um, so I update on my uh, my current uh, Trail of Cthulhu campaign I'm in mm, uh, real, yes. qu- real quick. Uh, so the character that died is no longer dead. So uh, <laughs> you got better. She got better, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't want to too many spoilers. But shenanigans were had by uh, using mythos uh, related things, and now she is back alive. Uh, and it's uh, it will be interesting to see how that manifests uh, in her character going forward. Because that, that whether we're on a different timeline or a different, uh, she's got some sort of uh, you know whatever happening. I'm going to try and push that. Some something eerie has to happen to somebody that's come back to life because of shenanigans in a Call of Cthulhu style universe. Mm-hmm. And then, oh yeah, yeah, clearly, sure. clearly has to. Just there's just it's a mutable law. Um, Seems like it should be fine. Yeah, totally <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. I don't there. see how this could go badly at all. all right. And then we use the Necronomicon. <laughs> well, we didn't uh, use yada the yada yada. <laughs> now they're alive again. We use some some uh, Mayan temples. It's fine. Whatever. Th- that's everything's fine here. That's uh, just the Necronomicon in stone form. <laughs> that's <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it was not covered in human skin, fortunately. Uh, and then I got a couple Kickstarters in, which I got uh, cobwebs in, uh, which mm. is a nice oh, yeah, little I got pro- mine too. nice little mm-hmm. production. Um, I'm very interested. I I would love to. S- it's kind of an interesting contrast to the PBTA stuff that we I was reading for this episode, and uh, then I got uh, Knights of the Nice Knights of Underbed, which were which was mm. originally called uh, Nighty Nights, but it was a Kickstarter with uh, from Gallant Knight, and uh, they they had some tr- uh, some uh, trouble, some TM trouble, and so they had to change the name of the game. But you basically play like uh, toys guarding the house from uh, mystical or otherwise trouble that's happening in the house. So uh, I played it way back there's probably video of me somewhere on the internet playing it with uh uh with some uh with the designer uh but uh it was a fun game and uh it was interesting to finally see that one come out and then the last thing was i finished reading elric of melibonet nice and i've started on the fortress of the pearl so i'm i'm deep in reading uh the uh, Michael Moorcock, uh, Elric uh, sagas. So, cool, cool. Sounds like you've been up to a lot, man. Yeah. Damn. Um. So, uh. Thank you for those continual updates on the Eternal Lies game because uh, I, I think maybe uh, 
next time I want to hear more about what's going on in the plot. I mean, I don't know. There's like a spoilers thing. We could probably put spoilers in front of it, but like, I'm just fascinated by eternal lies and I'm just really want to hear about it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think spoilers is a good idea. I'll, I, I, it's, it's pretty great, uh, kind of twisty, turny kind of campaign setting. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into that next time. Yeah. Yeah. Next time I'm probably going to have more, uh, like questions about it. Um, cool. cool. So, uh, what I'm up to, let's see. Uh, well, my esoteric enterprises game is on hiatus and, uh, my good friend Brinton is running uh, ruin and conquest, the setting that he, uh, wrote and kickstarted a couple of years back. Um, he's running that for us. We're playing that with, uh, with the, the black hack, which I think I kind of dissed or something on this show. I think I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I can get the black hack and black hack is fine. Uh, I don't, I don't dislike it. It's definitely not my favorite uh, OSR mechanic, but it's very it's very fast and it's very easy to use. So I can totally see from a utility point of view that like um, if there's some kind of like OSR thing that you want to like a module or a setting that you want to experience really quick, or if you're writing a setting or if you're writing a module and you're like I just need to test drive this thing. Um, it's great. For, it's great for that because it's damn. It's like so easy. It's like the easiest fucking game. Um, Brinton's uh, Ruin and Conquest is like fucking awesome. I don't know if if you're a listener and you backed that and you're kind of waiting for it to come out. Uh, you know, I think you'd be very pleased when you get it because uh, I've seen the like layout documents. He's been kind of finishing stuff up and he's sent some stuff over to the Dungeon Punks Full Metal RPG guys. We can take a look at it, look for uh, errors and stuff and. Um, it's fucking awesome. It's a fucking great game, fucking great book and ha- playing it with him. It's, it's, it's really fun. He's doing a great job. It's not like anything else that I've played. Um, and it, cause, cause it, I think like it almost has like, you could look at it and think, Oh, this is kind of like a Warhammer sort of thing, but it's not at all. And it doesn't feel like that. It, it feels like its own thing. So it's really fun. I dig it. Um, and then I've been, uh, I keep reading Vampire Masquerade 5th Edition uh, in preparation for our uh, deep dive into that game. And I keep on finding new shit in there. It's it's such a, it's a crazy game. It's a crazy book, you guys. Um, I've actually started taking some notes for a campaign for that. So uh, we'll nice. see if that ever ends up happening. Um, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> that's that's really what I've been up to. I, uh, I, I. I have a uh, DDC uh, source book that I'm supposed to have released two weeks ago, and uh, I'm in the weeds on it. So, uh, uh, you know, any day now I should be, you know, finally summoning up the fucking gumption to get that thing out. So that's what I've been up to. That's 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 my black hole. Jesus, Lord. Um, (laughs) I guess uh, now it's a great time to get into the actual meat of this episode, huh? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 let's yeah, do it. Yeah. All right, so um, what I did was is when I was coming up with this episode and I was like, oh, hey, Brendan, you know, it'd be a cool way to uh, promote your own damn game is have everybody else read a bunch of damn PBTA games. Then you can like have an opportunity to read your PBTA game and just fucking talk about it on your own damn show. That'll seem less arrogant than if you just were to make a whole episode about your show. And uh, then my, now my game is not out. So uh, and, and, and kind of like where that game is at is it's sort of like um, it's in kind of like development hell right now <laughs> like uh like uh i i feel like i kind of overworked it you know and um i was like play testing it and then magpie would give me notes and then i play test it and then magpie would give me notes and at this point i'm just kind of like i i have 
I have a hard time even looking at it. It's kind of, so 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 it's just kind of sitting in a pile, and I'm not even looking at it while I'm writing Elf Game and playing Esoteric Enterprises and playing Warhammer with my friends, and I'm just kind of trying to not think about it. But I will say, since I have been uh, kind of like dinking around with Vampire the Masquerade Fifth Edition, like it's I I can kind of feel some of those wheels in my head kind of starting to turn a little bit. So there is uh, some potential that I may return to it before the end of the year uh my plan was to not even like really look at it until 2021 but um we'll see we'll see what happens um so instead what we're doing is we're everybody is pulling picking up a pbta game and rather than talking about my own game i chose uh undying from uh magpie uh why don't we go ahead and go in a circle real quick and just kind of uh introduce the uh games that we selected and when i say that just to say what the name of the game is, who wrote it, maybe what the publisher is, and then just a quick like one-line, two-line explanation of what the game is about. And uh, we'll just go ahead and we'll go counterclockwise. Or we'll go clockwise from what I'm looking at. So, Adam, Adam, what game did you select? I selected Cult because um, I backed that pretty deep and I bought it. And it was one of those books that I just kind of let sit around for a while. So I wanted to dig into it a little bit sick and uh who's that by that is let's yeah, yeah well okay look. cult's a bad one to yeah. <laughs> try and voice that on because it's cult, like a million different people in here yeah. and uh the actual page with the credits is like not the first thing that you get well, to so what, what's interesting is is that usually pbta games are like a passion project by one or two people right and, and, and cult and went cult, on forever yeah, they had they had a huge development staff for it that contributed over time. So I think Peter Nalu, yeah, lead game design was Robin Robin Lillenberg, right? Creative and director we, Peter Nalu, and then Marco Berman was the yes. project lead and Kickstarter general. And then there is an entire page of uh, people who were involved in this. Cool. And then what is Cult Divinity Lost about? Cult Divinity Lost is a uh, this deeply horrific game in which there are kind of these enlightened individuals and they're awakened and they have all of these kind of advantages, disadvantages and dark secrets. And they're interacting with this world full of these, uh, I don't want it malign entities, like hideous kind of godlike creatures that are, uh, kind of secretly guiding mankind and, and leading us towards annihilation or apotheosis. So cool. yeah, cool. It's, so, a, it's, it's a big ideas game. It is a big ideas game. It's been around, I mean, prior to the world of darkness, the original iteration of this was way back in the early nineties. Um, and of course there was all kind of consternation. The Pope had it banned in Italy and you know, there were a lot of people who said his cult went on, it got, kind of less about those dark malign supernatural ideas and kind of more banal. But, uh, you know, this is kind of a, a, I feel like this edition harkens back to the earlier editions of the game and the, and the ideas that they presented in those. Cool. Cool. So, uh, Ashley, what did you select to read and talk about? I chose, um, tremulous, which is by, uh, Sean Preston. It was originally a Kickstarter. It looks like, um, the I was looking at the playtesting names while Adam was kind of reading through some of that stuff. I was like, oh, they have the playtesters here. And uh, Ron Blessing's actually on here. And so he's a friend of mine on 
Facebook. So I'm like, interesting. Local um, dude, local, local gamer dude, local designer dude. Yeah. So I was like, cool. Um, yeah. So Tremulous is basically a uh, storytelling game, very narrative driven um, with Lovecraftian horror elements. So it's very, that's what drew me to it actually was because um, I have talked about it several times on the show, but I really like Call of Cthulhu and that's kind of my first foray into horror gaming. So it's got kind of a special place in my heart. Um a special place in my heart with tentacles growing out of it. So, uh, so that's why I chose this one because it's PBTA and that. Um, it's basically sleepy town type thing where, like, the town people are actually a cult that sacrifice outsiders and stuff like that. So, but looking through this, it's very, very narrative. Like half of the book is just tips. Well, I'll get into that later. Anyway. It's very narrative driven, and um, I'm excited to play this now after reading through it. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, RBK, my friend, what did you choose? I chose uh, Monster of the Week, uh, revised edition, I think is what this one is. It's by uh, Michael Sands. It is basically is supposed to kind of emulate the Monster of the Week style TV show. So like Supernatural, Buffy... X-Files, that sort of thing. That's kind of its uh, its jam is to do that. So Cool. And it is on some level, I think right now, uh, Monster of the Week is considered to be the most popular slash most famous PBT game that currently exists. Is that right? Uh, I have not heard that, but it is published by Evil Hat, so it's probably the most widely distributed PBTA. Uh, well, those are the Adventure Zone guys did, a, did an actual uh, play. Yeah, Which, my understanding launched it into the uh, realms of uh, role-playing games that actually show up on in terms of sales, rather than just like a couple dozen copies here, a couple right, of those copies right. there. Actual plays, um, yeah, that's a mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. APs. <clears throat> All right, so uh, the game I selected is Undying by Paul Riddle. It is published by Magpie Games, and um, this is kind of a thing that you find with a lot of PBTA games. There's there's kind of two two distinct genres. Some PBTA games are trying to present a unique game and to themselves. Uh, Cult is an example of that. And then some PBTA games are attempting to ape a genre or to give you an opportunity to play another game with the PBTA rule set. Uh, clearly, uh, Monster of the Week is a, is a very genre-oriented uh, PBTA game, but both Ashley and I chose games that are kind of almost like PBTA clones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley's game is, a, is, is, is play Call of Cthulhu, only PBTA, and my game is play Vampire the Masquerade only PBTA. It is it is the the um, stated objective of Paul Riddle to make um, uh, Vampire the Masquerade converted into a PBTA form. And kind of one of the points of critique that I'll be touching on today is whether or not he was able to do that. So uh, we'll get right off to it, and we'll kind of start with. Um, uh, <clears throat> moves okay so uh you, you know what actually let's kind of let's let's go over to uh to adam we'll say like so tell us about colt and then tell us about some of the the moves that stand out to you because pbta is so invested in how moves work richard do you think we need to talk about fucking pbta and moves and shit or do you think that our audience is fucking aware of this or i what? mean i i think they're aware but i think uh you know it's it's basically you're it, you describe in the fiction you describe on the table what you're doing, and then that tends to trigger some sort of game, uh, a game mechanic called a move that will uh, effectively uh, move the story forward in a 
role-playing type random direction slightly, or you have the narrative control gets swapped between people depending on the outcome of a dice roll. So, yeah, as Ashley was saying, like PBTA games tend to be like uh, sort of predisposed towards narrative gaming. And um, rather than having skill checks and attack checks and stuff like that, there's no checks in, um, in PBTA, you make moves and these moves are usually kind of centered around a general uh, category of general moves that everybody gets and then specific moves that are that are defined by your quote unquote playbook, which is kind of like a class, but it's really more like a role that you play in a particular kind of story, right? Hmm. So rather than checking to see if you're able to do something, what moves do is they kind of influence the direction of the story based on almost like archetypes or tropes. So, um, Adam, uh, talk to us about like what does Cult present for us as horror gamers, and then how does it approach PBTA? So Cult, um, as horror gamers, gives you this really dark kind of metropolis that you can interact with. And if you're interested in Cult, but you don't really know if it's for you, I recommend you check out the Superlative Red Moon role-playing actual play. Uh, and you can kind of get a sense of what the game is about and how it flows. Um, in terms of how Cult approaches PBTA, like it, it's a pitch black, dark game. Uh, and they also have their own take on PBTA that some people find off-putting. Um, it's not D6-based, it's D10-based. Hmm. Um, you get these dark secrets, disadvantages, and advantages for you know your character archetype. Um, then as far as moves, you kind of get the standard spate of moves, like... Uh, there's, you know, avoid harm. Um, there's, you know, uh, act under pressure, uh, engage in combat. You know, what you would kind of expect to see. One of the weird ones to me is endure injury. Um, when you roll on that, if you don't get a 15 plus, you get like the 10 to 14 on your 2d10. The GM picture condition Whereas if you roll a nine or below, uh, you choose what happens. And your options are you get knocked out, you get a critical wound, or you die. So as a player, you can kind of decide like, oh, well, this character is now suboptimal. So I'm just going to kill them off. Um, why why has it got to be suboptimal? Can, well, you, I'm just, like, can you just say like, <laughs> oh, it's it would make be good for the story right now if I well, You could do that too, but it's just because that's how gamers think, right? Like gamers are, a lot of gamers are always trying to optimize, they're always trying to figure out how to, how to do the system. Like how do I game the system? How do I do The other thing is uh, as far as like actual attributes or abilities, um, there's three that you pick from that you assign a set of scores to. And then there is another uh, seven that you then assign different scores to, which is not something I've seen in other PBTA games. Um, That's very not usual PBTA. Right. And so as far as a purist PBTA game, is Cult that? No. Uh, Cult is is a lot like David S. Pumpkins. It's its own thing. (laughs) Um, So if you're one of these people who's like, well, I want to play a PBTA game, but it has to be pure PBTA you're probably not going to like cult and you'll see a lot of that online. There are a number of people who have issues with the way that cult approaches PBTA. Like there are a number of people who have issues with the way that, uh, what's that? The heist one, not for coin and blood, uh, blades in the dark. 
Blades in the Dark, yeah. There are a number of PBTA players who have problems with the way Blades in the Dark approaches PBTA. So is Cult, you know, a straight-by-the-numbers PBTA game? No. Is Cult a good horror game? I would argue yes. Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying there. It's a good horror game. I, I think it still has some problems beyond just being like a good, like I mean, having a really good horror like foundation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, did, I can. Did, did you detect any problems with it? What were your What are your high I, points and low points? To me, there's just an awful lot here to bite off. Um, it's super deep, super complex. It's been around for ages. You know, it kind of feels like it was forced into a PBTA mold. I don't know if that was. I haven't played it, so I have a hard time sitting here bagging or slagging on a rule set that I haven't played with. Right? Like, like I've had rule sets that I've read that I didn't like, and then I played them, and I go, "Oh, that was really good." And then I've had rule sets that I've really liked that I've played, where I'm like, "Oh no, there's there's a lot of problems." Um, you know, I for relations. It's weird that they have all these relation moves tacked on as well. Um, I, I feel like the number of advantages and disadvantages can be a little overwhelming trying to bite all that off. As far as options or playbooks, I mean, there's a ton in here. I well, mean, one just of the kinda... things that's kind of interesting about that game is that it mm-hmm. doesn't actually have standard playbooks. It's right, like... they're not. It's just what your dark secrets are, your advantages and disadvantages, right? They don't give you specific right. moves. But there's a ton of them in here. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, just a lot. They have some like pre-selected ones that mm-hmm. you can use as archetypes if you wanted to. If you were right, to get, and like, you can build your own if you really want to. Yeah, and that and that one's kind of like a point buy where it's like buy you like take this many of the dark secrets, take right. this many like you know basic moves and stuff like that, and um, it really means that there's like a crazy amount of granularity in it. Uh, compared to other PBTA games, it also means that it's kind of weirdly um, genre defying. Where PBTA games really, they the ones that like really sing, I think, are the ones that emulate a genre really, really well. Mm-hmm. It's not actually trying to emulate a genre. You can actually just right. go in there and like scratch build whatever kind of character you want to build. You're not hemmed in by the tropes of an archetype. Right. And there's like 20 of the ones, not including just the sleeper. And I mean, the section on running your first game is huge, like longer than you would expect it to be. Um, And they clearly have ideas about how that should work. Uh, But, you know, as far as the other stuff, like all the stuff about the angels and the broken and like, that's all, you know, that's not bad stuff. It's, it's got a lot in here. There's a lot to work with and there's a lot of really cool things you can do with it. I did notice that the difference between the actual printed version and the first PDF version that they gave me was the art in the first version of the game was a lot, a lot more uh, kind of, I don't want to call it obscene, but it was definitely designed to kind of squick you out and make you uncomfortable. And this is is the game with all the penises in it. There's like so many in this game. You've never seen so many penises in a role-playing book. Yeah. And and dudes blowing other dudes. And and then they removed a lot of that because people just got that and were like, Oh, I can make me feel bad. It's like, all right, well then why are you buying anyway? It's my understanding that that wasn't from the fans. That was actually from uh, the distributors. The distributors got a hold of it and they were like, (laughs) in Puritan America, they were like, Whoa, we're going to throw a fucking X rated sticker on the front of this. And we're going to put it behind the counter. And we all know that like 
like that the second that happens your possibility yeah. of like actually making money on a product like drops to zero and stuff. i haven't actually seen it in a store but it, i yeah d- regardless of how it played out i will say that the uh the first iteration of it was certainly a little more blue than the actual printed version that i have do but you have one rbk i do have a copy of cult and uh, actually I, I saw it at the gaming goat that's where i saw yeah of all, mm. of all places the most kind of chain corporate version of a right game store. where they're like we only stock the top five rpgs in cult. At any given time and, and, cult. and apparently it was part, well yeah i think it was very highly on the amazon sales at that point that's probably why oh maybe <laughs> well they had like um, the, a little pony one for some reason and i was like i don't think that's ever chopped a, tar- a chart in its life like really so, so Richard, do you have any uh, thoughts about Colt or questions for Adam regarding? Well, I, I kind of wanted to talk about the. I wanted to hear more about the relationship stuff because that's kind of one of the things I'm going to talk about with mine. Is I, I didn't mm-hmm. see a lot of that in there. So, is it like relations between characters, relationships to the, like the 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 underworld or? So you, yeah, you have these uh, these ratings with the other characters. It seems like that define your relations with them, um, and so you get these moves, right? So it's like, yeah, so it's other NPCs and then important NPCs that you encounter, and then you get a strength rating where it's neutral, meaningful, vital. Uh, you can increase or decrease at the. So it's kind of like other PBTA games. You can increase or decrease your relation at the end of the game. But you do get these moves like wish no harm, regain stability, lose stability. Um, and I don't recall ever really interacting with that when I played other versions of Apocalypse games. Well, that's that's basically history. So Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It's it's named differently. So yeah. well, it's, it's, it's their version of it, and they did iterate on it. The thing about mm-hmm. relationship mechanics in most PBTA games is, and this is this is kind of one of the fallacies of PBTA is people are like, oh, it's a one size fits all system, and like it's just like it's like the same game you're buying it over and over again, just with different mm-hmm. skins. And that's actually not true. If mm-hmm. you really get inside PBTA games, you start looking at like what they call the tech. Mm-hmm. Like, the things that look very similar actually function very diff- differently, mm-hmm. and. Um, like while the relationship kind of mechanic inside of, of uh, cult is actually based on uh, history, and because uh, because it all comes from uh, Apocalypse World, they started out running it as an Apocalypse World hack, and then they morphed it into their own game. Right. But, so, it, so it shares a lot of DNA, but uh, it is, does actually function very differently all these years later than the history mechanic inside of um, inside of Apocalypse World. Is there a uh, is also is there a sandy mechanic or something like that in there? Because I know I, I seem to remember something about Red Moon role playing talking about you know, but that may have been just their 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 uh, deep role playing was they're talking about the sandy the characters and stuff like that. But was there anything like that? I know that, that was a part of uh, the original game, and I'm kind of wondering how it translated over as well. Do you have any insights to that, Adam? I don't recall really interacting with any kind of sanity mechanic in a meaningful way. Uh, Yeah, I'm not really seeing anything through here that's really ticking my brain on that. But again, it was one of those things where I kind of quick read through the rules and and was digging through it. I I will say that I agree with you that the game is kind of an info dump. It it has a huge amount of um, backstory for Mm -hmm. the cult world. And they right. kind of it's and, and there's two ways to look at this. On one hand, you could be like, "Oh, it's really great that they like put like this huge amount of story into the 
game in the core book. And I'm like, yeah, I buy the core book and I really, you know, I have everything I need to play. Uh-huh. But in terms of playing the game right away, uh, it's kind of, it's one of the more inaccessible uh, PBTA games because you do have to, not only do you have to learn how to play PBTA and how to make a character, you also, as the GM, need to kind of go in there and start like learning all this mythos and crap, right? Right. That's one um, of the big things. The other thing too is if like sex and sexuality is not something you want in your games, it's going to be part of this game um, and it's going to come up. Here, here's my final kind of question for you so we can move on to <laughs> the next the next game. Uh, sure. The final question is, is uh, and this is the, this is a criticism of Colt from back in the day. And I think that having have it from based on what I've read of Colt of Vanity Lost, I think it still stands today. Mm-hmm. But what do you do in Colt? What do you what's your character do? Like if you were going to run Colt, like what what do the characters start out doing? Yeah, that is a big question. Um, I mean, you're clearly awakened to what's going on in the world. You clearly have an understanding that there is more than meets, not Transformers, not more than meets, yeah, but you clearly understand that there is more going on than, than the sleepers understand. So much like in Call of Cthulhu, right? You can just go like, well, I'm not going to go to Innsmouth, and I'm not going to go deal with the Deep Ones, and I'm not going to interact with any of that, and I'm going to stay in my study and read a book, Right. Mm-hmm. Or you can go, well, I want to go chase down this mystery and try and figure out what's going on. Um, well, one of those is a story. One of those is not. Well, uh, the thing is, is that when I, especially when I talked to Peter Nalu about, about mm-hmm. producing the game and he was talking about how cult is personal horror, not mm-hmm. investigative horror. And he had this great stuff to say about personal horror. And I highly recommend that you go back and you listen to those episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not you, but like the listeners. No, yeah, for sure. Yep. Listeners, go back listen to those episodes. Adam heard them already. Anyway, um, they're really great. They're really he has a lot of great shit to say. However, when I sit down with the cult book, I am confounded because I'm like, how do you run this game and it's not an investigation? Yeah, if, that's if it, that, that was one of the parts that I, you know, to your point, I also butted up against. Like there has to be you going out and looking for something, unless it's just we're all people who know each other and then the bad stuff comes and finds us and then shit starts happening and then shit starts happening. But that is that, is that a game? Is that a game? Is that interesting? Like it? uh, Yeah. I don't know. Like it, is it Candyman? Like, do I move into my new apartment and then like bad shit starts going down or is it, you know, an HP Lovecraft kind of story where it's, I'm going to go seek it out. I I don't know. You could probably run it both ways. I, I, I think I mean? that it has a lot of potential to be a really great slow burn, but I think that your group is going to have to have the patience to get through the first couple sessions of it being a, a horror movie. And it's that first act of the horror movie where right. people are kind of like under, Oh, Hey, something's wrong here. Hey, something's wrong. And then all of a sudden like shit starts coming out of the shadows. But those first couple sessions are going to be kind of like, people going to dinner and talking about their life and going to the library and using the card catalog and shit like that. And it's not going to be like what you consider to be like, Oh, here's like, like there's not going to be any gunfights or any, like the prince summons you to their chamber or anything. It's going to be, it's going to be my dinner with Andre and not fucking blade. You know what I'm saying? You can always bring a gun to my dinner with Andre and see how that plays out. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, Ashley, do you want to tell us about Tremulous? What are what's yes. your takeaways on Tremulous? What's how what what how what's Tremulous and then how does it how does it work with PBTA? So Tremulous, like I was saying before, is a it's Lovecraftian storytelling. Um, the very beginning of the book says it's 
very much fashioned off of Apocalypse World, so it runs pretty similarly to that. But I think this would be best for anyone who wants a very narrative PBTA way to play a Cthulhu game. So um, it brings Cthulhu to PBTA, and the main thing that the author, the creator, keeps pushing is fiction first. Like, the story comes absolutely first in everything you do. So with the playbooks at the very beginning, a few things I want to touch on with that before I move into the moves is uh, one of the things I thought was unique was they use um, trust points, which trust points are based on your intersecting lives, which is kind of the character um, connections that you would form in other PBTA games. So with intersecting lives, you come up with your background of how you know these people and all of that. And based on how close you are with them, you assign trust points. So the closer you are to someone, the more trust points they have. Okay. So um, it can range from negative three to positive three. Anything beyond that gets into, it, it triggers moves basically. So negative three is like, I would not sleep in a house with this person. Positive three is they're a member of my inner circle. I really trust them. And uh, yeah. So those are the trust points will be used for um, using, hold on your trust points. You can edit this out. Sorry. That's um, fine. Oh no! This is Stan. Yeah, no, just like <laughs> just this like is just the best part. This is the best thing to, I've ever done. I need to check my book, like I was doing. It's like yeah. ah, and everybody ends up checking their books. It's no big deal. Yeah. So your, your trust points are used to um, how close you are to that person, and that ends up coming in later on because you have two tracks as you go through the game. You have a health track and a sanity track because it's. Cthulhu. It's Lovecraftian. Right, right. So there is a degeneration mechanic here. Yes, absolutely. So um, the amount of trust points you put with someone and how close you are ends up affecting your sanity track because if something horrible happens to this person and you have a lot of trust points with them, you actually end up taking um, shock to the level of the trust points you have. So if you have a like plus three with someone you're really close with them, you end up taking a pretty big hit if like they die in front of you or something like that. So this can be played very black. Um, the thing I liked is that there are four different levels of like darkness that you can take with this. So you can play it um, just black, which is nothing can come back. How did they phrase that? If you wanted to play it, fuck it, I can't find it. Anyway, basically if you wanted to play it black, you can't um, like heal some of the things that, go wrong like you can't heal from some of the damage that you take um if you play it gray you can play it gray where you can heal either some of the health stuff or some of the sanity stuff but not the other and white is both things can eventually kind of re regenerate or you can kind of come back from that so i like that because it gives different levels to a horror game which i think horror can be intimidating for some people because of the fact that they think they're going to be thrown into this game and it's going to be just triggering and awful so i like that it gives different levels of uh kind of darkness and bleakness to the game so um so how do how do you feel like it holds up against some of the uh other cthulhu experiences that you've had because you've had some uh traditional kind of chaosium call of cthulhu experience mm -hmm. and now you've also looked at tremulous like mm -hmm. um what would you would you be like more excited to do another seventh e call of Cthulhu or would you want to uh, kick the tires on Tremulous more? Um, because yeah, just, just kind of kind of riff on that. 
Yeah, I I'm really excited to play Tremulous just because of how it's written. Um, there's a lot of really good tips and ideas that the author provides in the book. Uh, like this thing is 260 pages or something like that, and half of it is the keeper section with like ideas and stuff like that, which I thought was pretty cool because if someone is more new to running stuff, it gives them a bunch of different ideas. Um, I feel like it's more open for the kind of narrative based open world because you can, you can play in it a little bit more. Um, I feel like, so the, the keeper doesn't roll anything. The keeper is just kind of responsible for moving the story along. Yeah. And, um, so the players roll everything and keeper is similar to like call of Cthulhu where they're the ones that are responsible for, um, moving it along and just the moves they can take. Um, is very specific. Like you can take a move that will just move the narration along and kind of allow the the players to interact with it. Or there's a, a hard move, which I've never seen before. And it might just be because I've never like sat down and read through a PBTA book, but they have hard moves, which are you like drop it on them. This is happening to you and there is nothing you can do about it, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, that's that's hard and soft moves. That's also an cult and a number of the other ones okay yeah. yeah i'm like i'd never seen that before so i thought that was kind of cool um but the the main point that has been threaded through the entire thing is um fiction first so everything you do like if the players say this happens it's not a matter of if it happens it's this is happening now do you do okay or how badly do you fuck it up you know and when someone fuck something up if they botch a roll then you get to come up with the horrible thing that happens to them which is fun what what is the um kind of spread on playbooks look like how are the playbooks did they line Mm -hmm. up with your expectations of the genre or were there things in there that you found surprising were there any kind of holes in the um playbook selection Mm -mm. i thought it was a pretty good spread like they have the you know the detective there's the doctor because since you can heal some of the um the damage both like physical damage and mental damage um so they have those, they have like the journalists, they have the the air, you know. Oh, and that's another thing with the playbooks that I thought was pretty cool is if you if you die, like you get past six on one of your tracks, you're dead, like you're out of the game. So instead of being out of the game, though, you pick another playbook that's not being used and you you inherit that. So you get all of the wealth and you get all of like the, oh. the lore knowledge and the, you have to explain in the game how it is that you came across this. And like, if you know all the information, it's because, you know, your, your great uncle died and you found his journal or something like that. So are you saying that the new playbook that comes into the game is the heir of the last character? And it's like, Oh, you, you guys remember my uncle, he fucking died. Mm -hmm. Or like, uh, um, is that, is that, is that what you mean? Um, well both. So there is an actual playbook called the heir, which is like the, um, you know, I'm an heir to some fortune. And so I come into the game with all of this wealth and whatever, but there's also a feature of uh, if your character dies, you can pick another playbook and it might be that you have inherited it from this person. It was the uncle. It could be that you were in the woods digging around and you found this box that had all this shit in it. And so you get all of their wealth and all of their journals and stuff like that. Oh, to go forward with. 
Yeah. So so essentially like the stuff that you gain is never kind of like lost. Like mm-hmm. the the um the group is never set back by player death because it's like, "Oh, well I had the fucking yeah. diary and then I fucking died and then I didn't tell you guys about the diary." It's like somebody else just has the diary and then they turn up with it. Well, you uh, you don't get to carry your gear across though. All it is is like your your lore knowledge and your mm-hmm. wealth. So any any special gear you had or anything like that is lost. What what is the well, default activity like? Is is you said something about a village, but it sounds uh, more like traditional Cthulhu investigation. So it is very investigative in that, um, like one of the basic moves is poke around. You know, so there's uh, let me pull up the actual moves, but like poke around was one. There's two different ones for different types of combat. Um, let's see, act under pressure is you you roll you know your roll plus reason so you have your attributes assigned to you via your playbook um puzzle things out so a lot of them are very like puzzle investigative type oriented um read a person so when it comes to actual combat there's like resort to violence and threaten so most of it is it's a very like call of cthulhu where you're investigating something you're trying to dig up some clues or whatever so uh they have a lot of play sets in here and a lot of them are based around like a, a sleepy village and some shit's going down and you have to try and figure out what it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I suspect that it was written with uh, just playing Call of Cthulhu modules, mm-hmm. like just straight. I, I suspect yeah. that like you could bust out a Call of Cthulhu model from mo- module rather from any era or mm-hmm. even a, um, uh, like uh, you could play Eternal Lies or any of the Pelgrane uh, gumshoe stuff and it, mm-hmm. I, I really doubt because of the way that uh, PBTA is just so narrative and kind of off the cuff anyway I really uh-huh. doubt you would need to mod anything because it, but most PBTA play is very heavily kind of like question answer question answer you know it's yeah it's, uh, um, it's what I call it's what I call kind of transparent role playing but we can kind of get into that in just a second mm-hmm. uh, did you have any closing thoughts on uh, Tremulous yeah, um, I mean, I, I really liked it. I'm excited for it. Um, they have mechanics, um, like, really quick. Debilities is something that if you are taking harm or you're taking uh, shock, you can take a debility, which will stop that at four um, instead of trying to heal it, which is nice. But then it's like, well, my arm is in a cast, so it's not getting worse. But now I have to roll act under pressure to put a shirt on, stuff like that. So um, they're just a lot of really cool little mechanics, uh in this that I'm, I'm pretty excited to get into. So yeah, I like it a lot. Is the, is, is, is tremulous the game or is it Cthulhu dark where you get like plus one on your roll if you're wearing a hat or like glasses? Is Mm. that, is is no, no, that's Cthulhu dark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't in here. I didn't see it anyway when I was reading it. There's a couple of like different PBTA games that are trying to vie for that the Cthulhu PBTA game. And I think that Cthulhu dark is the one that it like, yeah. It rewards you for doing like uh kind of like genre specific stuff like donning a fedora gives you like plus 1 to your to your huh. role which oh. I'm not in love with. 
Is that, that better not be for seduction. <laughs> to be like a minus 10 for that. Well, you bring out the blade, you, you practice to, to perfection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> While you were out having sex, I was practicing the blade. That, that, that game wants you to all be like walking around like uh, fucking wearing fedoras and like doing what's it called? Like the transatlantic or like the imperial accent or something. And I'm just like, ugh, fucking hell. Sounds, <laughs> sounds heinous. Um, Fuck anyone who does the transatlantic accent. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, they all so, suck. So, uh, <laughs> RBK, my friend, um, tell us about Monster of the Week. This is an interesting game. So, Monster of the Week is very much like uh, it's. I feel like it's PBTA with that kind of strips a lot of the relationship stuff out of it. Like it, it is your your. Most of this book is about building a mystery that's that's surrounding a monster, but it's it says explicitly, and it's pretty much got one move that's like inve- investigate the mystery. Uh, it's mostly it, this genre, and, and this is why I, I'm going to take a hot take. Hot take is it doesn't emulate the genre properly. And that is my issue with this Ooh. game because the genre yeah. is Dang. Buffy, the vampire slayer, supernatural, the Dresden files. Like these are, uh, all these genre, uh, you know, X files, right? You didn't, I mean, the X files was cool. Cause you had the monster of the week, but you know, you stayed kind of for the, 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 the overarching episodes as well as the soap opera of, of Mulder and Scully. Right. And well, I think you could say the same thing for Buffy, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah, Well, it's the Mm -hmm. same thing for Buffy. It's the same thing for uh, supernatural. It's and it's the same thing for Dresden files. Like, and they take, uh, they've got, you know, the, the bones are here, but they took out like the history system from Powered by the Apocalypse. There is no sex move, which is this is like the one genre I feel like should have had a sex move. Which, <laughs> I mean, I I understand that's a little squidgy, but like at least have relationship moves in here because really, if you want that part of the genre, it's about the the players and the keeper bringing that to the table. And it it you, you can play this, and and I have played it as like a one shot like. Gen Con, it was pretty much like an action romp. Like this is more right. about, more about blasting monsters. It can be unless because there's nothing to move you in that direction. My question about Monster of the Week and Buffy and and the stuff that it draws from as its source is is that horror? Like is Buffy horror or is Buffy like a comedy action soap opera? Is think, Blade Buffy- horror? Is underworld horror? I mean, I think they have they have horror elements. They, they do have horror, horror elements because there's monsters in them, right? But like, can I call something horror because it has monsters in it? I I think that like if if you're making a scale of like mm-hmm. scariness, you know, right? Some of those are like less on the scary side, right? I think I think if you watch Buffy, it has moments when it has some kind of dark and sinister overtones and has some creepy monsters and shit. Mm-hmm. Overall, it's not really super scary. However, you there is a farther you can push on the spectrum into sort of like uh, just kind of like urban fantasy or like paranormal romance in right. which 
the creatures aren't horrific at all. They're just like, oh, hey, I'm a vampire dude, and I hang out with a werewolf dude, and then we have a, a lady friend, a mutual lady friend who's a detective, and we both bone her at the same time, and that's kind of the <laughs> gist of what those things are about, you know? Are we and talking about Anita Blake now? We sure are, buddy. <laughs> we sure are. Oh, there's a lot of stuff that's really... There's a, lot of, there's a, there's a whole genre of stuff that's really... No, there definitely are, but... I don't, is that horror? Is there ever that like weird, well, is there ever that moment where you feel threatened or uncomfortable? Like, think, because think, if there's monsters, is Clash of the Titans horror? You can't it's really say what's like a blanket statement of what horror is, though, because people are terrified by different things. Like, right. some so people is horror find... like porn, you know it when you see it? Yeah. <laughs> horror okay. is porn, absolutely. Because, like, what one person is going to find horror and what they want to play in is going to be totally different from someone else. So that's... Kind of like, I, I, uh, I don't like how this sounds, but don't like gatekeep horror from people. You know what I mean? Like some people are going to find this one thing Listen, terrifying. just call me the Heimdall of horror. <laughs> I am going to yes. sit here with my sword and <laughs> gatekeep the rainbow bridge of horror. Let me ask Richard, do you, can you run Monster of the Week horror or is Monster of the Week going to just always devolve into some kind of like gun battle? I think you can. I think you can. Just like anything else, anything else Adam runs will eventually be horror. Like it's just. I'm just <laughs> it's gonna, a monster of the week when I ran right. it. It wasn't a horror game. <laughs> well, so here, here's how I think you make this horror, and how you make some of these shows horror is if you care about these characters when these characters' lives are in danger, that that you're scared for the characters. You're a fan of the characters. You're scared for these characters. You want to keep them alive. And then if horrible things happen to them, how, you know, I, I think that's horror, but like, it, you know, it's, it's like, that's kind of the thing that doesn't, without some of that, like preconceived or other stuff coming along, I don't think you get there. I think you get to kind of a, a uh, a uh, a uh, uh, romping uh, action kind of thing going on. So, so so to you, it's it's like it's like more of a swashbuckle swashbuckler kind of thing with some you know uh, monster skins in it. Yeah, I mean you, yeah, pretty much. Like I I can't think of how you. I mean, most of this book is about building a mystery. Like like I always say, like a good three quarters of this book is about built building mysteries or the pre built mysteries that they have in here. And every, yeah. like every location, every monster, every bystander there's moves based on what type of thing it is. Like the, the, the problem I have with the mystery system in that was they give the players all of these precog abilities that really like limit your ability to make things mysterious. Um, and then if you're a fan of like classic, narrative structure and you want to check off gun stuff it just becomes very difficult to uh, given how powerful they make the characters in that game a put them in any kind of real danger or b uh make the mystery difficult to unwind or unravel that was my experience with it yeah and and i'm gonna run a one shot of this uh probably here in another couple days for some some guys that were like hey I, we want to play pbta i was like well i'm i'm loading this into my brain so i'm gonna give this a shot <laughs> uh i've got an idea for a, a mystery so i'm gonna go through i was 
going to try and do that before this episode, but I'm going to go through their, their, their creation and I'll probably, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it next time. But like, it's, it's one of those things where like, I think to make this a proper, to me, a proper PD, PBTA game, I can play by just taking the, the playbook package, right? The, the, the moves and the package of the download. I don't even have to have the book. I can download okay. that and I can run it and it will, do its job. I don't have to read the book. It, everything I need is in a, like a small package. And if I want more depth to what I'm doing, like I read the book, like mm-hmm. to me, that is like a plus PBTA. Like I can do mm-hmm. that with apocalypse world. I can do it with a, quite a few other games, but this game I would, I have I to have the book a, and I don't have any other choice. So <laughs> yeah, that's the hallmark of the genre is that, is that PBTA is, is front loaded, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can open it up and you can flip in a couple of pages and you basically have the meat of the game right there. It takes you like half a dozen pages before you get to the basic moves or the playbooks. And then essentially the first half of the book, you can almost kind of scan because they're not very like, word dense mostly it's just lists of options and lists of moves and stuff and as long as you kind of know the basic moves you can kind of like write down what the gm moves are behind your screen or in your notebook or whatever and you can run a pbta game mm-hmm. um i think i think uh, monster of the week is kind of interesting honestly i i've read it and i actually love it for investigative horror i think that um I was uh, again. I, I was discussing Michael Marines earlier at the beginning of this episode, and he was playing in my um, the Void game, which is a different investigative horror game that actually has a huge kind of trad game tacked on system for like all this kind of crazy shit that you just uh, don't need die rolls for. And I was reading Monster of the Week at the time, and I was like, "Man, I should just run the Void only with Monster of the Week because it really distills down that essence of like, we're a team and like this guy over here is the nerd. This guy over here is the fucking combat dude. This person over here is the mysterious stranger. This person over here had a prophecy about them, you know, and then we all have to work together. And and if you, if you take those archetypes, there's really, I mean, there's so, there's so many things that you can riff on and work with. I mean, but, when people sit down to just make a character for a game anyway, they're already thinking in those directions, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to be the combat dude. I'm going to be the person who has the secret agenda or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. and monster of the week really gives you a lot of tools just to run that, you know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for that, I think it works, but the genre of this trying to emulate is this kind of like TV soap opera genre and I don't, it, it references very, multiple times. It references over and over and over Buffy and all these other like shows. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it does that. I think it does. It, it will do a mystery and you will be able to like go through a mystery. And, but like the thing that I love about PBTA is the character moments, like getting the characters to be like having them tough decisions about each other and about what they're doing. And that just, it just falls flat. Like there's, there's just like, there's the history section and you can go through it and well, we're, we're, we're related or, uh, you know, you're my mentor or something like that. But it, yeah, it, it doesn't, mm. it doesn't, there's nothing in the, it's, there's nothing in the mechanics that really drives you to do anything about it. Yeah. Having played it and run it, 
you do end up with this like widely disparate group of people who just don't really have any particular reason to hang out together or to do things together. And they'll all go off in their own direction. And there's not really any system that, yeah, there's not really any system to, to keep them together, or encourage them to stay together. Right. Cause it's like, your goal is to find out where the monster's layer is and to find out what the monster's weakness is. And once you have both of those pieces of information, you can go kill the monster. Right. Yep. Um, and then the issue is, like, when I ran it, if somebody starts the game off and they make their precog roll and they roll, like, a 10, um, suddenly you're like, okay, I have to give you a meaningful piece of information about where this monster's layered or what its weakness is. Um, and already, like, at the very start of the game, before I've done anything, like, half of the game has either had the legs cut out from under it or it's just completely gone. Right. Cause I played uh, with smart I, people I, I and they figured it, it out way. pretty quick, you know? Cause uh, I was like, well, there's like heat and moisture. You get this sense of heat and moisture and they're like, okay, cool. So high school kids have been disappearing. We're back. It's in the boiler room. And I was uh, like, all right, neat <laughs> fucking cool. Like they went straight to the boiler room to go kill the monster. And I was like, awesome. That was rewarding and satisfying uh, i i don't i don't i disagree with you when you say that you have to give a meaningful piece of information and that means that you have to sell the farm i just i, I didn't just sell the farm i gave them kind of like a vague piece of information but they were smart they put it together right like it's just well i mean i i think one of the one of the drawbacks that i dislike mm-hmm. my, very much about monster of the week is that it's kind of designed for one shots and they're like oh yeah for each sure session you'll fight a new monster and i'm all like man that's lame like uh you know i mean my sessions are like three hours long i mean and this is again this gets back to the superficiality is that is that where's the depth on this game where's the tooth i want to get invested you know what i'm saying and this game doesn't give me a lot of tools to get invested anyway we're running a little bit long and i need to do uh, the last game which is um does anybody have any thoughts uh closing thoughts richard on undying uh, not undying fucking monster of the, the week <laughs> i i think uh i'm gonna i'm gonna save my closing thoughts for my black hole next episode because i i'm gonna run this and i'm gonna really get immersed and run it and tell you Ooh, how okay. mysterious richard I love it. yes I love it. way to I love just it. tease everyone good man exactly good man Next All right, time. so uh, <laughs> the last game that we're discussing is uh, Undying by Paul Riddle. Um, again, so this is a PBTA game that is deliberately designed to uh, emulate another game, and it is uh, the game is designed to emulate is Vampire the Masquerade. And uh, so this game is kind of this kind of game is kind of vexing. I'm not going to lie. I'm not trying to dog Paul Riddle. Uh, and I certainly don't want this to come off as some kind of like me standing on a soapbox and being like, well, I was writing a fucking game about vampires and this is a game about vampires and here's all my problems with it. Um, on some level, people might think, oh, hey, Brendan, maybe you should shut the fuck up about vampire games uh, if you're <laughs> going to write them yourself. And then on to them, I might say, well, maybe my insights are super good. I mean, I don't know. I think there's two sides to that. Yeah. Anyway, um, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know I'm like a huge Vampire the Masquerade guy, and I've played more Vampire the Masquerade than I've played in anything else, and I have had my ups with it and my downs with it, but I have a lot, I've, I've looked at it from a lot of different angles. And so, um, of course, uh, not only when I started writing Ravenous, but just as a fan of Vampire the Masquerade, Undying um, has appealed to me for a long time. But uh, it is a bit of a puzzler in terms of how the game itself works. Um, now, it's an early PBTA game, 
And so I think that that is kind of one of the things that kind of sticks on it. For first of all, it has a very weird uh, sort of like play cycle. Okay, that what it says in the beginning is you the characters are all going to get together and they're going to face some crisis in the city that is going to change the vampire existence in that city forever. Right. So there's you. You're only you're only playing the kind of minute to minute, hour to hour role playing of these crisis points, these flash points in history. And then it expects you to resolve the first one in one session, maybe two. Right. And then after that, the game is punctuated by downtime play and downtime play is supposed to take about an hour and then um, resolve itself. And then you get back into what they call nightly play. But it really only ever expects you to play like a session to a session and a half of nightly play and then to be punctuated with these like hour to half a session long downtime sessions. Now, to me, that doesn't really emulate Vampire the Masquerade very well. Like, I understand that Vampire the Masquerade is like this saga of ages where you're playing across like decades and centuries, but you got a lot of nightly play when you, you, you if, if you play vampire and you like play, you can play dozens of sessions and then you'll have a downtime session or two where you're like, okay, well it's a hundred years between this adventure and the next adventure. Right. But you get to spend a lot of time with your character and you can spend a lot of time with the other people in the party's characters. And this game, you don't really get to spend a lot of time like inside your character's skin and this is and this is really just the beginning of kind of essentially my problem with the take on undying so first of all this is not like a pbta game where you roll a lot of dice there's no dice rolls you're there's like this weird kind of bidding mechanic in it where you have blood points essentially and you're bidding blood points in kind of little gambles i actually really dig that okay uh, i'm not gonna lie is a conflict resolution thing where you're like bidding and passing and calling and that kind of stuff i think that's actually kind of cool however that is combined with uh, a tag system kind of like you have in um fate where everything has tags and then there's these uh comparative comparative levels of status and blood age and a relationship map where everybody has different rankings of status throughout the city and what i found reading the book is that the game loses a lot of what I call transparency because there's so much shit that you just have to be managing constantly. Like, I love a role-playing game that you forget that you're fucking playing a role-playing game while you're playing it. You know what I'm saying? You're just interacting in the character and you're just projecting yourself into the city or the environment and you're... and you the closer you are to thinking like your character and to like being your character, to me, that's just a sign of a really great, really transparent role-playing game. Now, I don't think you're going to ever achieve that with Undying. I think that Undying, with its way that you're going to be constantly fixating on your character sheet, constantly fixating on your notes where you have all of your tags outlined and all of your various statuses and relationships and major boons and debts and everything. I think it's actually going to end up playing a little bit more like a board game, uh, kind of like a vampire, the masquerade themed board game. And I got to say, I just feel like that's kind of, I mean, I feel like it's a poverty, you know, it, for a game that sets out to emulate this very, very specific 
feel, I don't feel like you're going to actually get that feel out of it. Uh, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that sounds like, I mean, a lot of that stuff sounds like, you know, se- sessions and sessions and sessions of Vampire the Masquerade. Like, <laughs> it's like, no, we're supposed to live in this world and, and this stuff is happening to us and then we kind of come together to try and deal with it if we have to like a lot of times it's like everything is dealt with almost in, on an individual basis like yeah mm-hmm. elaborate I, i'm not i'm not necessarily following go ahead well i mean like the um uh like we're in a in a masquerade game you might be dealing with uh one your character Brendan might be dealing with one part of what's going on. And then Ashley's character might be dealing with another part of what's going on. And then slowly by, you know, eating, you know, eating through your, what's going on, you eventually kind of meet and go, Hey, wait a minute, you know, and then you have to like kind of come together or decide that I hate you anyways and fuck right off. So, well, I mean, <laughs> I suppose if you approach Vampire the Masquerade as an investigatory game, which a lot of people do, and that I think is also kind of a problem with how Vampire gets run and how Vampire is written, then I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. To, to, to me, um, Vampire the Masquerade, because first of all, Vampire the Masquerade is written in a very kind of muddled way. And like Adam and I have talked about this for fucking hours and hours on this show over the course of years. But what Paul Riddle is really trying to do with Undying is he's really trying to zoom in on that political part. Is he's just like, like with, with micro focus where he's just like, uh, personal horror. If you manage to get that in there, fine. Um, like gothic romance if you get that in there fine but really what the game is about is about um like who has status who has boons and then it's 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 a game about managing economies and there's a blood economy mm. that's that's linked into a feeding economy that's linked into a status economy and 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 you're trying to balance all of those essentially by maximizing them right it, and, <sighs> go ahead go ahead uh, well, I was going to say, the problem with me for Vampire has never been it as an investigation game. The problem that I have always had with Vampire is people trying to play it as an action game um, to where it's just like, well, I have disciplines, so now I'm James Bond with powers. And right, right. Superheroes. Right, Dark super, superheroes. Right. And that's the issue I've always run into running Vampire is people just being like, well this guy is a problem for me, so I'll just kill him. And then he's not a problem anymore. And what I will say for vampire, one of the things they put in there that I never leveraged as a GM until I got much older and later is the traditions give you a way of dealing with that. If they just come up against another vampire, who's giving them a problem and then they just execute them. Like they, they violated the traditions at that point, right? Like the tradition of destruction is very clear and, there's tools you can use to get around that. But anyway, that that's neither here nor there. I will say like an action movie vampire, I find to be much more frustrating than an investigation based vampire. It's well, I mean, like, even if go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say this game sounds almost like it should rather than, I mean, yes, this is definitely part of vampire and it it's, it's part of the game that you, you know, the political side, but it almost sounds more like a Tammany hall or like, uh, you know, if you just change blood to money, would, would this be like, uh, a better simulation or a better uh, game for playing like mortal politics. Like it- I, I think it has applications in that direction. Honestly, I think you could reskin it and uh, it's very much about 
power dynamics and economies. And if if that's what's interesting to you about Vampire, then this game could be actually really good for you. But if what you're interested in is like fucking wearing a, you know, overcoat and going to a fucking graveyard and like looking at a grave as like fucking fallen leaves, like, you know, tumble across it or whatever. And then like having a tear run down your face, then you're not going to do it in this game. There's no time for that shit in this game. This game is all, all about like, Oh, the Sabbath's attacking and the fucking Prince is dead. But if I fucking take over his hunting grounds, then I can be the new Prince. And that's like it. That's like, that's all mm. you really get to do. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah that's, bit of a problem for the emulation of that game because that that definitely you get all of that with the other thing why would you not want to play the other thing (laughs) right right Uh, and and the thing one of the things about about masquerade that i find kind of vexing would definitely be that like yeah it is a very kind of um like it's a very trad game and it's got a lot of granularity and there's a lot of fucking around with the character sheet and stuff. And if, and and usually people are playing PBTA games are trying to get away from that. They're like, fuck that. I want to just, I want the game to be more transparent. You know, I want to spend more time in my character. I want to spend more time thinking like them and feeling like them. And yet, uh, this game seems to eschew that, uh, so that you can really drill down into the, um, into the politics and of managing my shit you know what i'm saying like uh like i really want to get my hunt and and all it's funny because all the fucking vocabulary from vampire is just straight in this with a Mm -hmm. few exceptions they they, still he also kind of he kind of takes some like latin and kind of sprinkles it in there but then there's like oh i'm you know i'm gonna go to the barons and i'm gonna like you know find my blood doll and all this kind of shit right and um if that's the kind of stuff that like really moves you about vampire is the political machinations and then being like, Oh, 20 years later I meet him, but now I'm the prince. You know what I'm saying? Then it's like, like, uh, then this is probably a pretty good game, but it has never really scratched my itch either for what I want to get out of vampire or what I want to get out of just a horror game. You know, it's another, it's another one of those that, that I think meets Adam's kind of litmus test of, is it really a horror game? I mean, I don't know. Um, you could, you could probably play this game as, medieval kings or as uh like i don't know uh fucking space uh merchants battling each other over spice or some shit i mean you know there's a lot of different stuff you could do (laughs) um does anybody have any closing thoughts before we wrap this shit up (laughs) nope anyway uh fuck you everybody go uh (laughs) halloween coming up play some pbta get some of that spooky jack-o'-lantern shit going do it over Uh, zoom because i don't think this pandemic's gonna be done by then so covid has ruined halloween uh, as much as it's ruined every other goddamn thing so um you know post up your pictures of uh spooky halloween role-playing on Mm -hmm. uh the internet and uh hashtag full metal rpg or some shit i don't know (laughs) Um, Help some kids you know, with candy from the, your driveway, right? Like yeah. you, like stay back and just start throwing candy at them. Just be six feet away and you're fine. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I endorse that that opinion. That opinion is the <laughs> is is not of Full Metal RPG. It is the of the hosts. Um. All right. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, Full Metal RPG official at gmail.com. I have a secret Twitter account now. It's uh, <sighs> not, not about role-playing at all, but I am on there. Uh, ha-ha, I'm the devil. Um, yeah, and uh, play PBTA games because they're pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So uh, we next time. What's what's the show next time, Richard? What's the next show next time? RBK? Oh, we're talking about politics and westerns. Oh, that's Oof. gonna be a spicy meatball. That yeah, will be yeah. hot. Very takes. spicy. We got some special guests for that one too. So yeah, hopefully. Uh-huh. All right, guys. Well, thank you, thank you everybody for uh, listening. Uh, have a great night. Bye. Bye. Rah. Fuck the police and the militias. Fuck you all. Yes. Dude, amen to that, brother. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Is a you go To the police, young nigga rolling down Normandy. My niggas calling Norman die. Police pull a nigga over, chance you might die. Fuck Kinglewood PD, they kill my nigga Fat Mike at rallies on Mother's Day. 2008, same shit back in '88, still going on today. Got me feeling like in WA, nigga with an attitude, got me feeling like Ice Cube. Born in the '80s. Most of my niggas crack babies It was fuck the police, it's a baby Yeah, that's how the streets rape me I know the police hate me Police started off doing slavery Black fists in the air yelling Cause I don't trust the police I don't call them, I don't need them, I don't fuck with police I'm from a city full of madness, no justice, no peace Don't get me wrong, all popos ain't crooked But it's the fucked up ones that make a nigga overlook it All I got for my protection is this 40 full of bullets And this heart full of pain, tell the pose to keep pushing uh. When I see them, I get nervous They pull us over for nothing, too aggressive When they search us, they gon' make me load the Glock And get pulled over on purpose, he an asshole cop I'm a bullet, I'm murkin', it's a shame These popos is worse than the enemy Shooting people for nothing, who's the real threat? Them and me, them and us, we just tryna live While they live it up, always tryna do some shit Tell them they done did enough Cause all they doing is making it worse Everybody won't change, try breaking the curse I'ma preach it through the music, I'ma take them to church We need some real street action, fuck making the first Let's get it White and blue supposed to mean freedom, but it's the opposite every time I see him. Why is that? Cause I'm young and I'm black. Type of people handcuff you, then shoot you in the back. I can't watch the news cause I get so mad. Swear we need a revolution, fuck the color of a flag. And hopefully with this song we united. Fuck a peace rally to get hurt, we need a riot. We was just about to drop the album. License, registration, proof of insurance, please. Yeah, and that's real shit Otherwise murder still be the crime they commit Turn their license to kill to a fucking permit And anytime that it happen they get off with the shit That make me sick, I just might throw up Just thinking about my little brother not growing up Yeah, and that shit's so sick Man, harassed by the cops, this the life we live in
one one killer. Used to call us monkeys, my youngest turning gorillas. Don't fuck with them niggas that hit the stand like they killer. Cocaine every line I spit, I serve this shit just like a killer. About to head to Dallas, cause them niggas ain't playing. Catch a cop slipping on the roof and get to spray him. Little finger to the law, shit, all my lows be misbehaving. That's the blood like matters, knocking none of this shit do be changing. Tired of the fucking, won't nobody smash back. Cop kill another black, just another hashtag. That's how it seems to us. Dr. King had a dream back then, supposed to let this freedom ring through us. I'm on my Malcolm make shit right now. Fuck a op, can't nobody tell me shit right now. Yeah. Why this world keep turning? Rest in peace to Outtown Stern. Wait a minute, I. Tired of the motherfucking jack. Sweat my gang, mad cause we stack. Mad cause we lackin'. Pull up on the hall. Broad on the back, she the bad. I make the police mad. And I ain't saying all police bad But for sure all them bitches ain't good I'm just saying why the white was in the hood Don't come around if you really scared Boy, keep your ass around a millionaire It's crazy if you black, you feel wise But shit, all the white bitches meal rice It's time to make a change for the young Raise our kids to get a bag and gun It's just a job when it's said done So shit, fuck the police, kinda dumb Just think about it, nigga